The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Gobby and welcome to What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. We got a little bit of a facelift. If you're new here, I'm Gobby. I'm the founder of What's Gobby Cooking, a best-selling author and now a podcast host. What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild, which is the latest version of my podcast, is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry and more. I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people and highlighting super cool small companies from the food world. So let's get right into it. This is What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. I mean, we have a real treat for you today. I have one of my new favorite people on the podcast, Eden of Eden Eats. If you don't know her, you are about to love her. All I want to do is get on a plane and go to Israel together and eat all the food. But she is amazing. She is a TV host. She has a brand new cookbook that just came out. She opened a restaurant in New York. I mean, the woman is a total badass. So put your hands together for Eden. Get ready. We have a lot to say today. So enjoy it. And I'll see you guys soon. Hi, Eden. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thrilled to be here. I feel like we go way back. This is like the first time we're actually like sitting down and talking. So well, and we like literally just exchanged cell phone numbers five minutes ago. So I think we've made some really big progress. <laughs> totally. Totally. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. So for everyone who's listening, who doesn't know you, I just want to like rewind it to the beginning. I want you to tell us how you got into the food world, a little bit about what you do. You have your first book out, you host a TV show, like all the things. So I just want you to like, take us back to how it all started. Oh, wow. Well, you know, it's such like, when you go back to the beginning, it's so wild how you like find yourself obviously where you're at. But basically I was a troublemaker in high school and I was trying like to basically avoid going to university. But during that time, I also fell in love with food. I fell in love with food network. So that's basically what encouraged me to get into the kitchen and start like, I started baking at first, baking for my sisters and my parents, like fell in love. And then uh, when it came time to apply for university, Obviously, my parents were like noticing. I was like, I don't want to go. Please don't make me go. And my dad was the one that actually suggested. He's like, why don't you go to culinary school? Like, you seem to love to cook and like you're cooking all the time and baking. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be brilliant. Like, that's an amazing idea, dad. And he was the one actually, it was so funny. I was like, he's like, why don't you go to Le Cordon Bleu in London? I'm like, cool. I didn't even do any research. I didn't look at any other culinary schools. I was like, that sounds good to me. So I just signed up. I went to Le Cordon Bleu in London. I ended up moving there actually with my, one of my best friends. He got into London College of Fashion. And so he would like make corsets for me and I would bring home like cookies and cakes So it was like this amazing, you know, experience in London for two years. And while I lived there, I obviously worked in kitchens and I traveled through Europe. 
And when I graduated, I graduated from the Cordon Bleu with both pastry and cuisine, the Grand Diplôme. I actually didn't want to start working in kitchens right away. I kind of fell in love with travel. So I ended up going to India and I fell in love with India. I traveled there for three months and then I moved to Israel for like a year and a half. And I worked there in kitchens, went back to India for almost like seven months and then Southeast Asia. And while I was in India, I actually was volunteering at an orphanage where they had this cafe that was donated to them. And I was like, well, I just graduated culinary school. Why don't I reopen this up for you guys and like help you run it? Like, like I can run a business and open a restaurant. Right. And I ended up doing that. And I taped the entire process actually. And after I finished my travels and eventually moved to New York, I got it cut into a sizzle. And I was working at this vegan bakery at the time. It's called Baby Cakes. I think it's now Aaron McKenna's Bakery in the Lower East Side. It's actually really funny because like my story like has to do so much with my parents. I sound like such, I'm like, who am I? My mom calls me one day and she's like, did you see the, the times there was this big agent? His name is John Rosen. He works at like William Morris. You should bring your tape there. And I'm like, mom, I'm busy. Leave me alone. And eventually I was like, you know what? She's probably right. I'm just going to do it. So I like got dressed up, went to William Morris in Midtown, no meaning. You just like cold called, walked in. Oh my God. And I'm like, I love you. Hi, my name. I, 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 the best part is I like went vintage shopping. Like I wanted to look really cool. I was wearing like a 13 year old boys bar mitzvah blazer. I kid you not like shoulder pads to here. And I was like, I got this like so New York. And they wouldn't obviously let me in. They're like, I'm so sorry, but we can't let you in to see John Rosen. And I'm like, but I got a tape for him. So they're like, go to the garage, which was in like the mail room. And I dropped it off and didn't think anything of it. And they called me like three weeks later. And they said to me, oh, sure. My husband just came in to refill my wine. Hi, husband. <laughs> we have a Gabby. Gabby, this is Ido. Uh, Hi, Ido. <laughs> oh, my God. Husband of the year. Uh, Look boo. at that. What are we <laughs> drinking tonight? I'm drinking a Tobo Chico, but what are you drinking in honor of all of us? A Robert Mundavi Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. From the Napa Valley. He's a friend of ours. Good wine. This is a really good red. Yeah. This is really delicious. Good. I think it's a I'm, a, I'm a red wine drinker. Like if I could just IV a Brunello into my vein, I would. <laughs> I think us too, especially Ido. Yeah. I'm anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it all. She'll take it. Equal opportunity drinkers. Anything that just gets me that, you know. It was nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. Bye. <laughs> So anyways, long story short, they call me in to meet with them. And it was basically like, you know, getting my like toe in the door. And then they said to me, they're like, okay, now come up with a show concept. Coming up with a show idea is very hard. If I had to hear the word hook one more time, I'm like, what's the hook? You know, they're like, come up with a show idea. I'm like, what does that even mean? Anyways, I had like an incredible amount of luck. Basically, I was working at the bakery and this woman walked in with a big, beautiful camera. And I'm like, who are you? What's your name? What do you do? And she was a cinematographer, a working DP. And she said, well, I'm working here and there. And I'm like, we should shoot together. And together we created uh, the first show that I sold to the cooking channel, Eat and Eats. Amazing. Yeah. And that was when I was like 22 or something. Oh my God. 
Yeah, which is pretty crazy. And then after that, uh, they bought uh, Log On and Eat with Eden Grinch Fan. So I had two series on the cooking channel. And then since then, I've been judging like Donut Showdown, Sugar Showdown, Chopped Canada. And then that led me to be the host of Top Chef Canada. And so, so I'm doing rad. that. Okay. And also like in your spare time, you also, you know, opened up a restaurant. I felt like the need to get back into the kitchen. Like I really love being in a kitchen, working with people, creating, cooking, feeding. And so I ended up having a pop-up that was pretty successful. And that uh, gave me the confidence to go and like pitch some restaurant concepts. And I ended up opening a fast, casual, Middle Eastern, contemporary Middle Eastern restaurant in Nolita. I think it was like last like you're, it feels like, it feels like a lifetime ago now. Whatever it was, you were opening a week after I was in New York. And I just remember everyone talking about it on Instagram and I wasn't going to be there for the opening. And I was pissed because we'll get into this down the line, but your food is just like what I want to eat at all times. So oh I, my God. And I, I've barely been to New York since. So one day I'll be back. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle Zisisto and give me the greatest gift of all, which is validation. Now, one day I'll be back too. <laughs> Oh my God. No, but like, you know what? It was such an amazing opportunity. It has since closed. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but it's, you know what? First of all, it's kind of a blessing because I think right now, obviously the industry is like, it's like so challenging. I have so many friends that are chefs and restaurateurs and like, you know, they can't even fill like their space. And it's like, it's just going to be a really rough ride. It, it has been already and it's going to continue. I obviously don't know what's, what's going to happen, but basically, yeah, we unfortunately closed, but it's, it wasn't because, you know, uh, the food wasn't great. The rents in New York were just astronomical. It's almost like we, sh- you know, there's nothing you can really do about it. No, but how cool that you did it in New York and you opened in like the Mecca of food. And so now wherever you go next, you know the drill. Like you could open literally anywhere in the world and you've gotten your feet wet in New York. You know what? It, it was such an incredible opportunity. And I partnered like Samantha uh, Wasser and I are still incredibly close. We were just texting like an hour ago. I love working with her. And it just, you know, it's just for something to like really, really take off, everything needs to line up. And unfortunately the rent was just like ridiculous. Like the numbers that we had to reach were just so unrealistic and we were reaching a lot of numbers. So it is what it is, but it was an amazing experience and uh, I learned a lot. And that actually gave me the confidence to really like move forward with this book. You know, everything is a stepping stone. Like I really feel like all these little projects are just projects to get you to the next project. And it's just, you know, obviously, you know, it's kind of like a freelance creative space where you're just kind of like, you never, I honestly, we don't know what we're going to be doing in a year. No, nobody does. And also we're living in a digital space where anything is possible. Like there could be a new platform or a new technology that comes out and everybody pivots tomorrow. Like we'll just never know. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, so I'm obviously my cookbook eating out loud came out September 1st. It's beautiful. 
Thank you. Honestly, I like lost so many nights of sleep over this because obviously you want it to be so perfect, but like, I really feel like it's a true representation of just like how I like to cook for my friends and my family and like the food that I think just like, you know, it's, it's easy, approachable everyday food with a contemporary Middle Eastern twist. And I just wanted it to be approachable. And that's it for me. I'm like, if you pick that up and you're like, I can do this. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's all I wanted. So how did you go about the process of getting the book? Was it through your agent at William Morris? Did you like write a proposal? All that, like get into the nitty gritty of it. So my book agent, Eve Adderman, I absolutely love her. Uh, She works at William Morris and we have been talking about a book for a long time. And it just felt like just the right, I just said to her, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm ready. I think subconsciously I had accumulated enough recipes in my mind that I really wanted to share with people. And I was like, Eve, I'm ready. Let's do this. We partnered with an incredible co-writer, Rachel Holtzman, who I absolutely love. And actually, you work with her? Yeah, we work together too. I freaking love Rachel. I know. She just like gets into your mind and speaks your soul. I feel like Rachel and I... Okay, it's, and now I'm like, I feel like we're the same person, but it's also because she just like ca- captured my voice so well. I was like, you know me, you know me better than I know myself. Well, she's so wickedly talented. I think she's oh my a God. genius. Yeah, she, she is a genius. And basically, so Rachel and I like had a bunch of phone dates and just like, obviously I just fell in love with her and uh, we started writing together and because of her like incredible, obviously talent, we got a bunch of, what's it called? Bids. Did it go to auction or something like that? No, and it was great. I was like, I did not expect that, but I thought the treatment was obviously, I thought it was amazing. And I think Rachel's incredible. And Jen Sitt, my editor at Clarkson, we met several times before I actually met with her to talk about the book. She was, you know, she came in and supported me at Des and she introduced herself. And I just really, really loved the way she even told me she saw the book kind of coming across. Like she like, she was like, this is what it is. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. It is that. Thank you. She like took the words out of my brain that I couldn't put together. You know what I mean? It's like a perfect editor-author relationship. You can't ask for anything better than that. And I love working with her and she's amazing. And she like, there are moments where I have hot messed this so hard. Like I have to call him and I'm like, I'm so sorry because I like Rachel and Jen and Eve, like my entire, like, obviously like that's my agent, my editor and my, you know, like co-writer. But then there's also like an incredibly huge team that goes along with this. Like there's like so many people and so many moving parts. And I learned so much. And I had like, I'm such a creative visual person. So putting together the book, just like prop styling and and food styling. And I worked with Chelsea's uh, Zimmer. Sorry, I <laughs> the book's right here. Um, I keep calling I keep wanting to call Chelsea Zimmern because I love Andrew Zimmern. But Chelsea Zimmer. <laughs> out of control, talented. Like, let me tell you what happened. And Kaylin Kaminsky is my prop stylist. Like, let me explain. I put together a dream list of people I wanted to work with. And then I just basically finger crossed that they were all available. None of them worked together. None of them worked together before. And I know a lot of people like working with people they work with, you know? Yeah. Who was your photographer? Aubrey Pick. So talented. Oh my God. Like, I saw her stuff. I'm like, Aubrey! 
for five years, she's like, who is this crazy ass woman? Like just reaching out to me. I'm like, please work with me. But no, Aubrey and just like the entire team, just like dream team that I just finger crossed, like hope that they were available and they all just so happened to be available. And we came together. We shot the entire book in my Brooklyn apartment. Oh my gosh. Epic. I said to my husband, they're like, do you want to do a studio? I'm like, no, this has to feel like really like we need to be in it. And I had no idea what that meant, obviously, because I've never shot a book. I'm like, I've been on sets before. I've lived through crazy. No, this shit was insane. We were sleeping on our bed with props, tables of props, basically surrounding the entire bed. Like we lived in a Brooklyn, we live in a Brooklyn apartment. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff that goes into shooting a book and people don't get to see that all the time. No, it's like, first of all, it took like two and a half years. It is like birthing a child, like well, longer, like it's like an elephant birthing a child, <laughs> elephant birthing, but like, you know, you, you recipe develop, you recipe test, you write, you edit, you edit, you write notes. Then you like take pictures and you have to edit the pictures. And then you're like, it's a whole thing. So much work. But the book is beautiful. Thank you. Oh my God. Coming from you, that means a lot. Thank you. It is. It's truly, the recipes are incredible. I honestly, it's like one of the first things I will cook. Any of the recipes in it, like pick a page, any page, as soon as I have a kitchen, I'm doing like a whole dinner party inspired. Oh my, you're so cute. Thank you. It's my favorite food to eat. And one day we'll like cook together in real life. Please. <laughs> uh, I just want to like be with you in your house and your husband filming us cooking. Your husband's an incredible, he's great behind the camera. I keep telling him, no. I'm like, Edo, pick up the camera. And he's like, leave me alone. Like, yeah, it, t- it took Thomas a couple like months to get really comfortable with it, but now he thrives. He's really found his calling, I guess. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it's great. And you're so you have such an ease in front of the camera. And like thank you. That takes a lot of preparation for it to flow that well. Well, but you're on camera too. Like it's an art to be on camera and to make people feel comfortable and like you're in the living room with them. How like it's a lot. Well, I'm really good at making fun of how ridiculous shit is. Because <laughs> I am like, I'll do a cooking demo and half of the equipment is still like not near me. Like I I don't prepare properly a lot of the times. I find myself to be like a Tasmanian devil sometimes when it comes to like my own demos. But that's I like, think that's endearing. I'm like, uh, I don't know where my blender is. And they're like, well, isn't this supposed to be like a sauce that's blended? I'm like, <laughs> today we're going to mash it with a fork. <laughs> today we're going to just use this knife to just finely chop this. Chop it. And then we're going to, Oh my gosh. Exactly. But you know what? It's great. Like I do feel obviously I've had to pivot with the book tour. So what was the original plan? Do as much as we can to be, to be as many places as we could be, but it's really been, you know, I feel very fortunate that, you know, I still get to obviously be in like a industry that can continue and like just find a different, obviously way of like promoting it. And everyone's online and everyone's doing lives and everyone's cooking. When everyone's cooking. Yeah. Like there's no better time to come out with a book than this year because so many humans who never cooked before are learning to cook. Do you find that like a lot of more people are like regramming your recipes and like talking to you online and stuff? Yeah. I mean, and at the beginning of quarantine slash the pandemic, it was just so interesting. To, how do you make quinoa? How do you do this? Like very simple questions that if you had been 
following along and cooking along the whole time, you would have known. But these are people who just followed along for fun and never actually had to cook. Their company ordered in for them for lunch. So they went out for drinks and dinner every night. Like it was a very interesting pivot for a lot of people. But, you know, it's funny because I do find that there's a huge, like when I tell people that, you know, I, I host television, I, I meet a lot of people that are like, oh, I love cooking shows, but I don't cook. It's just therapy to watch them. Of course, like watching cooking and baking is like kind of like a therapy, like a, like it's really relaxing and soothing and obviously clearly entertaining. So I've, a lot of people have had to kind of like branch out into this new thing that, you know, they haven't necessarily had to do before, but especially like, I don't know, I live in New York. A lot of people don't cook in their kitchens in New York. No, their kitchens are big enough to cook in New York. Sometimes they use their ovens for like to store shoes. I know it's peak sex in the city. (laughs) Totally. I've seen it. It's so real. It happens. It totally happens. But you know, it's, it's definitely like, it's really like nice to see more, like obviously people cooking and being so excited about you know, recipes coming together. Like it's really like an amazing thing to see how proud someone is to like create something. So when you were growing up, the food that's in the book, is that the kind of food you ate when you were growing up? Or did you really get exposed to that on your travels when you were done with culinary school? That's so, that's a good question. So I'm half Israeli. I've gone to Israel every summer of my life. Um, Can we go together? Yes. Okay, will, great. Your mind will be blown. I, I'm aware. I don't think I'll come home. Like, I think I'll just stay. So like veg forward and colorful and just bright and fl- the flavor, the spices, the, the like tahini, hummus, like it's, it's just honest to God. I go there every time I go there, the food just, I don't think it's possible for it to get better and it gets better. And I'm like, <laughs> But uh, it is so inspiring. So yeah, I grew up going there every summer, but, you know, I grew up going to places that my cousins and, and, you know, my dad would take me to. So I knew a bunch of like restaurants and dishes, but I never really like, this is before I went to culinary school. So I never really asked more questions or like dove a bit, a bit deeper. And then after culinary school, I went back to Israel and it was kind of like, I was like, witnessing a new country for the first time in a sense, because I was more like aware, just more aware of the produce and the small like shops along the market and asking more questions and trying new like restaurants in different neighborhoods. And I think that really, really sparked my passion for, you know, uh, diving into it and like reinterpreting a lot of those flavors in my Brooklyn kitchen. And, you know, for me, there's no greater high than trying something amazing when you're abroad and then coming home and like, kind of giving that to your friends and family and your, and that, you know, that live in the same neighborhood as you or like just something that you want to share, like experience. And I love watching people's faces when they try something for the first time. It's amazing. And you get to introduce them this whole new style of eating that they might not have had before. Totally. And I also love when my friends are like, Oh my God, that was so much easier than I thought it would be. Like, it's just these little, you know, and that's another thing I think, you know, I'm sure for you as a chef, like when you, you pick up little tips and tricks along the way. And that's a lot of those, like those little things that can like separate a dish, like make it look different and feel different than just like necessarily someone, you know, at home just putting together. Like it's those little things that can make it even more special. And they're like, oh my God, 
Yeah. About that. Do you peel your chickpeas? Oh, no. I'm the laziest. <laughs> I am the laziest cook you'll ever meet. I also have a hummus in the book made out of canned chickpeas. I love canned chickpeas. No shame in that game. No, no. I'm like, listen, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm like, I have a three-year-old. <laughs> I have time to boil chickpeas and then to peel them one by one. Like, I want to like dump, mix, stir. Hello, I'm a chef. For me, I find that like ease is definitely like something that I really gravitate towards. Like the busier and the older I get. I just want really fresh, bright food that is like just easy to put together. So let's pretend we're not in the middle of a pandemic and like it was safe to travel the world. Where would be one place you would go that's on the top of your bucket list for eating? Japan. Have you been before? No. I'm dying to go. It's Ido and I have booked that trip and I've had to cancel it three times already. No. Yes, we were about to go in February. Oh. Yeah. Gutting. That was our third time we canceled it. Like we like booked all our hotels. Um, actually another place that I've had to do that with already that I, like, I just can't seem to get to Morocco. Morocco. Oh, I know. You would love Morocco. I don't think I would come back. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm here. This is it. It's like, so special. I'm obsessed with Moroccan food and Moroccan cookbooks and like, like visually, like, I just feel like it's something that I could like totally get into and like connect with. It's a beautiful food culture and the people are so kind and I gained 10 pounds. So we went, I mean, I gained 10 pounds no matter where we go. Like I'm very good at eating. I want to transition to my speed round dating questions. These are like super intense, very political questions about like Bravo TV and stuff like that. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) I'm here for that. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Just answer whatever comes to your head fastest. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, backup dancer. Oh, are you a good dancer? I grew up dancing like mostly hip hop, but like backup dancer for like Justin Timberlake situation. Britney Spears. I was like, I can see this for you. I feel like that's super on brand. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. glad. What is your least favorite food? Probably tripe. Oh, fair. I don't like it either. Yeah. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? To fly. Top destination on your bucket list, regardless of food or not? Japan, Morocco. At a restaurant, would you rather order another savory dish or a dessert? Savory. Me too. God, it's ter- we would travel so well together. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go, girl. <laughs> Fav- favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Harry Potter or Hunger Games? Harry Potter. <laughs> What are you, Hunger Games? No, I'm Harry Potter, always and forever. Always and forever. I also love the Hunger Games. I love all those like weird fantasy type, like Lord of the Rings, all of it. I'm so here for all of it. So am I. I just said to my husband, let's watch Lord of the Rings. And he goes, don't make me. And Thomas has never seen it before. No, make him. I know. I'm aware. (laughs) How long have you been married? Eight years. Okay, girl, please. please. You got to do it. I just want you to know all that fantasy shit. My sister and I are obsessed. Same, same. Obsessed. We're, how old, do you have a sister, older or younger? Both. I'm in the middle. Okay. Three girls. Where do they live? Israel. Oh, I know. 
Good excuse to go every year. Well, you know, the best part is I'm the one that's mostly obsessed with Israel. I'm like, I could live there. I love it so much. And both of them were like indifferent to it. And they're both fucking living there. And I'm like, not, I'm like, what, how did this happen? But we're all with Israeli men, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. You guys have a type. Clearly. (laughs) If you could be friends with one housewife on Bravo, who would it be? Oh, I don't know the housewives. You don't. I so appreciate that. I don't. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. You have more brain cells than most of us. No, I know like all about the Kardashians. I'm like, I can tell you who I'd hang out with for the Kardashians. <laughs> who? Kendall, for sure. <laughs> agreed. Sure. Kendall and Chloe. Chloe. Chloe's cool. Yeah, agreed. And Kendall's interior design on her new house is like my life goal. Well, I'm, I was going to ask you, what's like, what style are you going for with your interior design? I'm really bad at describing stuff like that, but there's a lot of like earthy, warm, cozy neutrals. And I like, honestly, if I could just replicate Kendall's house, I would (laughs) like a country vibe to it. Right. Or no parts of it, maybe. But like her bedroom is really just my life goal. Like there's like a chic rug, a linen headboard. It's just so beautiful. It's so chic. Okay, favorite Harry Potter character. Oh, Ronald. (laughs) I think so. I need someone quirky and weird for sure. For for sure. Oh my God. That's amazing. Also also Snape because we have the same haircut because he's just so like sketchy, but then good. Yeah. Deep down, he's a good dude. What is your favorite way to eat avocados? You know what? I'm not super picky about this. If I can peel it properly, I'll peel it. I'll do like knife in, peel it, then slice it. But like realistically, I'm removing the pit and then eating it out of the shell. Like I just cut it and just eat it out of the shell. Just spoon it into your mouth. Spoon it right into my mouth, season it. Like if it's really good, just like sea salt. Yeah, I'm into all avocados. Me too. But like, I think I eat guacamole every day. Well, it's really good for you. Well, I think that's why I have good skin. (laughs) Yes, you do have good skin. And like, is it, aren't they like, don't avocados like in California, aren't they like the best? They're the best and they're usually pretty cheap. I mean, I'm not kidding. We go through at least one or two avocados a day. It's a lot. Except for when I was in New York for my first book promotion, which was all about avocados and I like had to go to Whole Foods and buy them. They're very expensive in other parts of the country. Everything in New York is expensive. It's dumb. It's not acceptable. It isn't acceptable. I've been there before where it's like, 250 for an avocado. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, no. Goodbye. I'll go, I'll go eat sour cream or something instead. Thank you. I love that sour cream is your alternative to avocado. Well, I really I'm thinking about nachos. So <laughs> I was talking to Thomas before we got on the podcast and I was like, what do you want to do for dinner? And I was like, let's barbecue nachos. Feels like the right move. Does your husband cook? Not to save his life. Oh. Does yours? He's actually a great cook. Wow. And he's very confident in the kitchen. He knows his way around. He's very comfortable. How is feeding your daughter? Is she picky? Is she open to anything? Okay. I'm going to give you a couple tips. Okay. And this isn't to say that like one day she's going to wake up and just be like, I don't want to eat any of your fucking food. Like I'm done with you. Like she might, that might still happen. So I'm not going to say I'm a pro, but I'm going to say that there are a couple things that have definitely, I think helped. She cooks with me and she bakes with me. And I find that when she's in the kitchen and I'm like using ingredients, she puts her finger in everything. She tries everything. 
She tries baking soda, baking powder, like all the spices. Like she, and I'm like, oh, okay. Even like the a raw egg the other day, she was like, bleh, bleh. and I was like, well, that, you know, I don't know about that, but like, whatever, you know, now, like she clearly needs to like, I think she is the kind of person that needs to try it out for herself, obviously, to make a decision. Like she can't let someone else tell her if it's good or not. You know what I mean? That's amazing and so helpful. I'm, I'm thrilled. Like the other day, I opened up a can of anchovies and she took the anchovy and ate it right from the can. And I was like- No flinching, totally fine. I held back tears. I held back tears. I was so- proud. It was like such a proud mom moment. And then I took one and I ate it like right after she did it. And I was like, what did you think? And she's like, it's good. And I'm like, yeah, it's really good. What a baller. Look at her go. Uh, yeah. But she loves like olives and pickles. Like she really likes like a bold, bright, like salty, briny, salt, you know, like an intense flavor, which I'm like all about. So yeah, I let her, I let her like just kind of explore, like she'll eat like raw pasta and be like, well, what's happening? You know, like whatever. I don't really care. Like as long as it's not going to hurt her. Like, and so I think that like, just like really embracing that kind of like exploring and bringing her into my world and showing her all these things has been great. And I think another really great tip is like, if you think about it, kids eat at different hours than us and they usually eat alone in a high chair. And I think that, you know, we're social, we're social creatures. And a lot of the times, like, when I sit with her and I'm eating something, she's more interested in eating what I'm eating than necessarily what's in front of her. So I think it's really about like making it more of a social interaction versus just like letting them try and exploring it by themselves. Like, like I don't love eating by myself. I love eating with people around me. I get excited when someone's excited about something they're eating. I'm like, I want it. I want to experience that excitement. So I try and do a lot of that. Like the truth is this, she's in daycare. They're giving her lunch now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be crazy mom and like try to control that. I'm just going to embrace that. She's a child. Everyone's doing it. And that's fine. Like, but I just think like at home, that's where like the control, I'm going to do this because I'm very loose, whatever, like I'm doing quotes, control happens. So like, I don't keep juice in the house. And everyone's like, how does your daughter not drink so much juice? And I'm like, well, there's just no juice in the house for her to drink. Right. You know, I'm just not like out at parties, have as much juice as you want, but there's just no juice in the house. Yeah, that's great. That's it. I had my mom on the podcast and she said something very similar. She's like, it was never an issue. It just wasn't available to you. That's why you didn't like binge drink soda. Yeah, totally. Like the more junk food we have in the house, the more junk food Abe wants. Right. Right. I mean, like, like sometimes you don't, I will get into these arguments where he's like, she needs snacks. And I'm like, there's apples. There are apples in the fridge and there's peanut butter. Like we can do that. He's like, but what about the chips? Like it's more for us, for him than it is for her because she doesn't know what she's missing out on. One of my girlfriends grew up in a house where she thought a saltine cracker was a cookie. Till she was 17, she, well, maybe like 13, she thought saltines were cookies. And I'm like, God, that's wild. <laughs> oh my wild. God. I don't know. That sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, be, I think everyone does it differently. And I think those are awesome tips. And people always ask, like I was a private chef for a number of years before I just transitioned full-time to what's got cooking and the kids ate everything. And I think getting them involved in the kitchen is huge. Like it's so important. And I also think it's about like, you know, I, I met like someone the other day 
is totally fine. I know a lot of people that are picky eaters, but this guy was very picky and very closed off to trying new foods. And then he was like, my kids are very picky. And I'm like, they're watching you, you know, children watch you and like the way you respond and react to food. And also they end up eating what you like because that's what you keep in the house. So I think it's about just trying to like be as open-minded and even if you don't like it, maybe bringing new things into the house or like just trying all these different things. Like I'm just such an open-minded, I eat everything. So except for shellfish, I just found out I have an allergy. I'm so depressed about it, but whatever. I'm so upset about it still. Like I found out like four months ago and I'm like, (laughs) Like I never used to crave shellfish and now all I want is a lobster roll, you know? Oh my God. The second you say no to me, I'm like, that's it. I want it. But yeah, I just think it's about being open-minded and like bringing them into like the whole, like, you know, process, the creative process. Yeah. On that note, I feel like tell everyone where they can find you. Your books, obviously everywhere books are sold, but give us, you're on Instagram. You have a website. Yes. Thank you. So eating out loud, my cookbook. You can find it at eatandeats.com. There's a whole book section and there's a bunch of different places where you can get it from. Obviously, check your local bookstore. I'm all about supporting local bookstores. So check that out. I know that the book is actually like, you can find it in a lot of bookstores, which is very exciting. And you can follow me on at Eat and Eats on Instagram. Uh, I'm actually going to be creating a lot of videos based around the dishes in my book. Just to, obviously the recipe is there, but I also want to show you guys exactly what I mean when I'm talking about it in the book. I think it's, right. I'm such a visual person. So, you know. And that have, it's not complicated. Like here's how easy it actually is. Exactly. So like all the little tips and tricks and fun videos you'll find at Eat and Eats. And that's basically it. Yeah, eatandeats.com for, you know, all of the uh, the book information and obviously on Amazon. Um, if you're on Amazon, if you want to do a review, please help yourselves. But Amazon reviews are such a thing now. Oh my God. So important for authors. It's wild. I know. There's so many things I never thought about or knew before this all went down. It's a whole process. And there's like algorithms and formulas and all this bullshit. I'm totally. So I'm like, and I hate asking people for like favors and shit. And I'm like, if you, I love, thank you guys so much for buying the book. If you want to just write a review, like, how do I even say this without feeling obnoxious? But it's like, it's amazing. It's totally a thing. But anyways, yeah. So that's all I got for you. Well, I can't wait till we can go to Israel together and eat all the foods. I know. All of them. Me too. And until then I'll be following along on your journey. And I'm so whatever, not that I can really offer you any kind of like wisdom of motherhood, but, um, whatever questions you have, or if you ever need to like, you know, talk to a mom and vent, please, I'm here always. So you are the best. Thank you. Thank you for this. Of course, I'm really excited for you. And thank you again for having me. This means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Oh my God. You're the best. You too, honey. All right. That's it. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing a little bit about Eden's life and her business and her book and all of her food. It's amazing. The book truly is phenomenal. Absolutely. Check it out. There's a link to it below in the show notes if you want to pop on Amazon and get it. Otherwise, check out your local bookstore. And I will see you guys with another guest next week. 
All right, that's it for today's Web Scobby Cooking in the Wild. Be sure to tune in for new episodes on Mondays. And if you have any questions you want answered, give us a call at 1-888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you know a super cool small company that you want to be highlighted, let me know in the voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out my website, whatscobbycooking.com. See you guys very soon. 